Okay. Let us begin. Today, Gabriel's annoying voice is going to be even louder on this. Not annoying. Okay. Why are we holding? Okay. So he says like this. Well, I think we're up to Vihine. Mm-hmm. Vihine Kasher. Did we do this already? No, I think we did no, this. We're Vihine on top of the page. No, no. Okay, so this is like Vihine Be'emis Lav Davka Be'chait Be'avam Be'poyamam. Oh, we did this yesterday. We did Let's do it again. Vihine Be'emis Lav Davka Be'chait Be'avam Be'poyamam Be'poyam Canal El Gam Be'hedra Voida Be'mayach Be'leib Poyim Le'mayla Be'lamata And I'll show you how So what he's saying here is like this. That... When we talk about a pagam that is happening, it's not specifically um, only referring. And the key word here is only, right? Because obviously, God forbid, if a person does an avera, that is going to impact him, right? That is going to impact both lamaila and lamata. But what he's saying here is an additional point that, in addition to the fact that a sin, an actual sin itself is going to have a major impact. He takes it a step further and he says, really, a lack of avoida is also going to cause a similar thing, right? Which is a big chiddish because up until now, you know, basically what we've been talking about for the past 10 pages is this idea of how a sin, right? Is it bothering you? Yeah. Gotta be able to see. Right? How a sin, right, is a thing that is going to impact. It's going to cause the light to go up. It's going to cause the kalim to be broken. It's going to cause all this, all this pro- all these problems. However, the bottom line is that at the end of the day, what he's saying here is that it's in addition to that, that a person's avoda is like a sin. In other words, a person's avoda is a mitzvah. And if a person doesn't do avoda, that's already a sin. So this is a big finish that he's saying. In other words, that in and of itself, because most people think to themselves, okay, well, you know, okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I did all the mitzvahs. Like, what do you want from me besides for that? And he's saying, no, 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 you're missing the point. That the avoida itself really is the mitzvah as well, which is wild. So now he re- references this whole idea of Seder Krishma Shalamita, Right, which he's referencing really the idea of the Priyetzchayim, the Sharkavanas of the of the Arizal, uh, this whole idea of what is Krishna Shalomita and what's going on over there. So we know that in Krishna Shalomita it has in these little letters Impagamti Baos this, Impagamti Baos that, right? If I made a mistake, if I blemished, right, uh, etc., etc. So he says like this, and we're going to go through uh, the different letters. So he says like this, Impagamti Baos Yud. Right? This is what we were talking about the other day. When he says that if he if he made a blemish in the letter Yud of Hashem's name with regards to Kriyashma, obviously a person that is saying this probably did not, and he's saying it every single night, we can assume he probably said Kriyashma that day. Right? I mean, this is not, uh, I mean, obviously, if the person did not say Kriyashma that day, so it is going to impact, right, the letter Yud of Hashem's name. That, there's no question about that. But the bigger point here is that most likely, if he's saying all those little words, right, in Kriyashma Shalomita every single day, chances are most days he said Kriyashma. 
Okay, maybe he made a mistake once in a while, you know, whatever, maybe he overslept or whatever. It's possible that it happens to people. But then why should he say it? Presumably, you know, it should only be those four paragraphs should be for people that Taka didn't say Kriyashma or didn't put on tefillin or didn't, you know, which is hard to understand because if he's saying it, it's probably that he did it. So let's go further. So he says, Shalokara Kriyashma, El HaKavana, and we're talking about here is not the actual Kriyashma itself. What we're talking about here is the lack of avoida of Kriyashma. The lack of avoida of Kriyashma. So now we have to understand what does it mean, the lack of avoida of Kriyashma. So again, we are, we are making bigger this whole situation, right? You have the mitzvah and the avoida. Right? So the mitzvah, the person did. The question is really on the avoidah. So now we have a whole new topic that we have to delve into, which is what exactly does that mean, the avoidah of Kriyashma? Right? Is it just saying it? No, obviously not. That's not what we're talking about here. It's clearly a much bigger picture. So he says like this, the hine mitzvah's Kriyashma, he mitzvah's liyachta. So what is the mitzvah? What is the mitzvah of Kriyashma? What are we talking about here? So the Rambam explains, right, that what, what is the mitzvah of Kriyashma? The mitzvah of Kriyashma is liyachta. Vahainu, what does that mean? Liyachta gam mitzada oilamos. That he is one, that he is united, he's the only one, not just by himself, as we always say, right, but in all the worlds that there is nothing else, that he is the only even after the worlds were created. They are not in a level of a yesh and a davar nifrad. We're not talking about that. We're saying that the worlds are not something separate. It's not a separate entity. They are completely bottle and one in an absolute manner. Okay, so what does he say here? What is this? So what he's saying here, what we said before Bikitsara, right? We briefly mentioned this, right, earlier, right? And that was in the uh, in the second Mimer we started talking about. And like he's gonna say now, he's going to explain it, right? But Makum Akher he says Ba'irh. Ayrich means what? Ayrich means at length. At length. But what he means by Orech means bringing it down to a lower level. Like, not just, uh, he, he wrote a lot of words on this subject, but it's actually bringing it down to the level of a person, right, like us. Right? We're not leaving it up a, a luft in the, in the air. Right? He's bringing it down with mashalim, and he's bringing it down with different ideas that a simple person should be able to understand. Okay, so this is also the concept of what we say, Yichud Havayan Elokim. Now, the Rebbe Rashab, in various uh, right places throughout uh, the literature, right addresses this point, and it's basically a very similar mimer, right on in each place, but it's called by different names, right? But this, uh, let's say, this sugya of Hasidis, the idea of Yichud Havaya Elokim, right, is a very common uh, theme that the Rebbe the Rebbe uh, brings out in the different mimer. So now he goes into this theme. Right, probably you heard the famous mimer Vedaita from Vedaita Moskva from Tofresh Nun Zayin. Right, that was like the main, that was one of the main mimarim of the Rebbe Rashab that discusses this issue. 
right? And throughout the Hasidic literature of the Rebbe Rashab, he's going to bring these this sugya in. So this is the sugya now that we're going to be dealing with for a couple of pages, which is this idea of the Achdus of Hashem. And Davka, the idea of uh, Shem Havaya and Shem Elokim are really what? Now let's go back a second, right? We know that Shem Havaya is the concept of unlimited, right? We know the concept of Shem Elokim is the idea of, so to speak, limited, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, it's a, it's the, the point of this sugya is to show that even though they are complete opposites, they're really one. Okay, that's going to be the name of this sugya, right? Even though we have two opposites, we have chesed and gevura, we have gilui and the opposite of gilui, right, which is hester, we have complete opposites that they are really one. Now, he's going to bring different mashalim to point, to bring out this point. That's the idea. Okay, let's, let's see what, it what, what is his kavana in like, but he was talking about the, 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 <clears throat> the system of the kav and the kedem and the er, and talking about how, what it could do to a person, and if a person meditates on this, they're going to have you as chait. And now we're going into this. Like, what is his intention with the mimer? What is his... That was the idea. That was the build-up, right? We started with the idea of how a person would, if he does different uh, ideas, if he does different sins, or he doesn't do certain mitzvahs, how it's going to be impacting, right? That was our, that was our thing that we, we were bringing up, yeah? And then what happens is that he goes, he went into a whole discussion of the Seder Ishtalashu, so we could understand in a bigger scale what it is when we talk about that a person makes a begam in the keli, or what it is when a person makes a begam in the or, or how does that how does that bechlal happen, or the siluk of the or, like he says. Now we're getting into the avoda part of it. Like let's understand what it is that we're talking about. Let's read it further. Right? 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 That it's all what. Right, so we understand the basic concept that the Shem Elokim is concealing over the Shem Havaya. Right, right? famous idea, right, the idea of Shem Havaya is unlimited, right, Gilu, Gilu Elokus. If you have complete Gilu Elokus, so then obviously you're not going to be able to have any type of world, like we said, in a general way. We've been discussing this for, you know, if you have only the or without the keli, you're not going to be able to have any type of real gilui because of this point. My, my, my soldiers. Uh, no, it, was, it wasn't that early. It was 7.15, but... Uh, Although we would have been here at 6. They would have been here at 6, even. And Yochanan came, Hashem. Mendel came. Mendel came. Baruch Hashem. Anyway, let's go right there. So he says like this. So we understand that that despite the point that we have a, a the or right in a state of Ainso, right? We understand Allah Mendel Mendel, don't go out stay in this room. We have this idea that that in order for there to be gilui, you need something for it to be gilui on. What do I mean by that? In other words, if you have if you have light, right, what causes a person to be able to see light? For example, in outer space, right, we have to assume and we know that the sun is shining as much as it's shining here in this world, right? In other words, 
if you have the sun, wherever distance it is away from the earth, right, and it's shining, right, and it's going through this space, literally, right, and then it comes down here into this world. All of a sudden, right, we know that our earth, right, is much further away to the sun than, let's say, just going above our, right, our, what's that called? Atmosphere. Atmosphere, right? So the question comes out, why doesn't... Why don't we see light out there? There is no light, right? It's darkness, right? So what's the difference? Why over here there's light and over there there's darkness? And we know there's an obvious answer to that. What's the obvious answer? Because Hashem made it that way. Okay. The obvious answer is because you only see the light when it's bouncing off of something. In other words, there's nothing for it to bounce off of. You ever see like, you know, when when you're out uh, in uh, camping or whatever, right? And you have a light, uh, one of those called a flashlight, right? And you, and you put like this beam up into the sky, right? And you're like, oh, this is the biggest lightsaber ever. You know, it's like, ooh, you, know, you go like this. And then all of a sudden you see this beam of light. Why does that beam of light, what, what's going on there? What, how, how does that happen, right? So the whole answer is because there are particles that are floating in on the earth, right? Or the particles are floating up in the sky. In the sky. And those particles are... Uh, enabling the light to bounce off of it. Those particles cause us, they, not that we necessarily see the particles, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, right? But that's what causes us to be able to see the light. In a certain way, you have to say that the light without the Kali, right, is impossible. You wouldn't be able to see anything. The Kali is making the revelation. So on the one hand, you have to say that the Kali is limiting, but on the other hand, the Kali is revealing. Talk about speech. Let's, the, one of the famous mashalim for this is speech. Right? We're going to get into the mimer in a minute. But speech, on the one hand, is the ultimate revelation. revelation right? You understand what it is that I am thinking when I speak. When I speak now, you can understand what it is that I have in my mind. Right? On the other hand, speech is the ultimate limitation. I have to use one word at a time to express myself. One word after one word after one word after one word after one word. And through the combination of those words, I'm finally trying to give over an idea to you. But imagine that we had a situation where I could just uh, push a button, right? And it would, so to speak, transport the image that I have in my brain to your brain. Right? Just like... Without putting it into speech, it would be much easier. That's right. It would be amazing. Okay, let's, <laughs> exactly. It would be much better because why? Because then you would get the full picture of what it is that I'm trying to bring out. Because with me, when I'm trying to bring out a concept, what I, ha- what I need to do is I have to limit that concept in my own brain. I have to insert it into words. I have to then speak over those words to bring it out to you, right? You have to now take that word... <sighs> Right, and then build it up. I used to, ha- I used to always draw a muscle for this, like with a picture. Let's see if I have a piece of paper. Does anyone have a piece of paper? Mm-hmm. I used to make it like the equivalent of two ice cream cones, basically, one with the other. So it looks like this. You can imagine, right? Okay, so here is. Here is your brain. No, here is your brain. No, okay, that's it. That was it. that was a commercial from the early, from the 80s. You never had that, those commercials? This is your brain. 
this no. is your brain on drugs and then you have like an egg and you have it frying you know so yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Like back in the 80s they had that that was the commercial they used to have okay so what I need to do is I need to right I need to take all this information that I have in my brain and I have to put it down decrease it to a small little little circle here right in order to now express that information because I am to put it bring it out one word at a time or let's say that I was writing a book typing it one word at a time after one word after one word after one word after one word then what happens is essentially all you're getting is the one word the one word the one word that's as much as you're getting nothing else what I'm hoping is going to happen is that from that one word, you are now going to, you are now going to be able to build it into the full picture. That is the art of communication. The art of communication is to be able to take whatever is in my mind, lower it down, make it into this circle, express it across to someone else, and then not that the person remains with this. If the person remains with this, then he has not, he is not an effective communicator, right? Because that is not the goal. The goal is not to get a bunch of words, right? The goal is to get up here, and that's why, for example, let's say, uh, let's, I was going to say, like a child, a child could read. Let's say that a child knows how to read English. You could give a child a book on philosophy, and he could read every single word in that book, but he has no idea necessarily what it is that you're talking about. Or, for instance, some of us, right, with, or all of us maybe to a certain extent, with regards to the davening, right? We understand, we, we know how to read. It's not that we don't know how to read. We know how to read Hebrew. But we may not be able to really understand what it is that those Hebrew words are really saying. You following? You getting this or not? Yeah? So the idea I'm of... the words. I'm just not getting the... Exactly. So the idea of communication is exactly this point. The idea of communication is that you're taking a small piece of information and building it up. So really, is the kli a gilui or is the kli a helam? Both. Right, exactly. That's the point that I'm trying to bring out. Exactly. That it's both a helam and a gilui at the same time. Because the only way for it to work as a helm and a gilui is like this. Are you guys, where are you from? Are you from Chile? Yeah. Oh, Rabbi, you got, Rabbi you got to hear this. Rabbi, Rabbi, I was at Asia Torah with this guy. Oh, wow. he finally made it home. <laughs> you, guys, you guys learned uh, Hasidis before? Yeah, yeah. Hello, hello. Yeah. Regards from Mordechai, no? Yeah. I don't know regards from Mordechai. Okay, so probably you belong in room B. Okay? We'll catch up later? We'll sit and learn Gemara together? Bezrat Hashem. Okay, good. Eishat Torah. Eishat Torah with this guy. Baruch Hashem. He finally made it home. That's what I said. Yeah. Okay? That's what I said. I said, so what brought you? He said, oh. So we go into, uh, into room B. Oh, Berichat HaShachar. There's Sidorim over there. Okay. Let's go fight him. So he says like this. So he says, okay. So he says like this. So this is the fam- most famous idea, right? The Shem Elokim is concealing over the Shem Havaya, right? In order for the world, right, to become a Metzias. 
שאם היה מאיר גילי שם הוויה באולמוס, because if the שם הוויה itself was shining in the world, לא היה האולמוס בבחינת מציאס כלל. The worlds would not be a מציאס at all. It would be impossible. Right? ולזויס השם אלוקים מעלה ומעשה על שם הוויה. If you have just plain or, right, you're not going to get any type of revelation. You're not going to have any type of mitzvahs. You're not going to have any, for sure, not a mitzvah that is experiencing itself as being, so to speak, separate. That's for sure not going to happen. Right? It's impossible. You need to have the shame Elohim concealing over the shame Havaya, which is then going to be able to enable you to have some sort of mitzvahs. Go back. Let's let's use a different marshal, right? Ellie is is Mendy in there? Yes, he is. Good. Wow. very good. Wow. Um, I'll give you a different marshal. Let's imagine a person had a a tank of water, right? The water is just going to flow, but without having some sort of limitation on the water, right? Let's say that you have a certain uh, freezer of the water, right? Put it in the freezer. All of a sudden, now you can have ice cubes. You could have Matthias, right? You have to do something to enable there to be some limitation that's going to take place. With that limitation, then you can have your ultimate goal of what is the ultimate goal to make a world, right? But if Avaya was just shining straight without any type of limiting entity, Right? It would be impossible to have that mitzvah of a world. And that's but, what he says here. But, Hashem, but, but Hashem could do whatever He wants. If He wanted to, He can make Shem... This is our uh, class number one of Hasidus that we talked about many years ago and every year. You can't do that when you learn Hasidus. You can't say, oh, why is it like this? Because Hashem could really do anything. Because we, the study of Hasidus, the study of Kabbalah, is the study of the system that Hashem made. Right. And you have to you have to start with that point. It's true. Hashem could have done anything. He could have made 150 spheres as opposed to 10. He could have made the ore do this. He could have he could have done anything. But that is not that is not the study of of Kabbalah and Hasidus. The study of Kabbalah and Hasidus begins with the idea that this is the structure. Now let's study the structure. Okay, let's go weiter. Hashem Elokim Malim Master Hashem Avayah Shelo Yair Begili Mamish. That's how now you can have a Metzias of a Yesh. Now Metzias is, we're going to translate Metzias as a form. That's how you can have a form. Right? However, the point is that Havaya Velokim Nekulachad. Really, it's one thing. Because you have to say that the Shem Elohim is not really concealing on the Shem Havaya. <coughs> because Elohim is as much Elokus as Havaya. And that's why you have to say it's not Shaykh at all that it should become. Uh, concealed. Now, there are a lot of different mashalim for this. We're going to go into some of them over here. But let's just talk about, in the last few minutes of the class, let's just talk about a, a couple of very interesting uh, uh, mashalim. The first, most obvious mashal is this idea of speech. Right? Speech 
when the person is speaking, for example, he sees everything that he wants to say, everything that was in his mind from our from our picture over here, from our diagram over here. When he has when he's saying these few words, he actually has the entire diagram in these few words. Now what's an example of that? The example of that is, for example, the idea of a Mishnah. Right? We know that when we learn Gemara, that all these questions and all these ideas that we're going to bring out in the Gemara are really hinted to in the Mishnah, right? Why does the Mishnah have a Vav here? Why does the Mishnah say X? Why does the Mishnah say Y? Why doesn't the Mishnah say it like this? Why doesn't the Mishnah say it like that? Right? That's the Gemara pulling out all the hidden information that is locked into the Mishnah. You following what I'm saying? So is that information in the Mishnah? Of course it was. And of course it was handed down from generation to generation. That's the way it was supposed to be. So when Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, so to speak, wrote the Mishnah, right, or he right, put it together as a unit, right, he had in mind all that information in those three sentences, right, that he has as the Mishnah. So in other words, you have, for example, in the beginning of Gemara Shabbos that we've been learning, right, you have X amount of sentences over there, and then we talk about it for about 10 pages, right? All that information is hidden in that Mishnah. When Rabbi Yehuda Nasi wrote out that Mishnah, he saw all that information, he put it in, and he used this word, or he puts a Vav here, or doesn't put a Vav there, right? All of that is in the Mishnah. So is it a concealment to Rabbi Huda Nasi when he sees this Mishnah? No, he sees the whole picture. When I see the Mishnah, all I see is the, whatever, the three sentences, five sentences. That's all I see. Because again, right, look at our picture. I'm seeing this. I'm seeing the little, the, the three sentences. But Rabbi Yehuda Nasi is seeing the big picture when he's, when he's, he uses those words to try to use as a code to be able to bring out the big picture. That's the idea here. So, are the words a concealment? In a certain way, yes. But in a certain way, no, they're the greatest revelation. And that's what we're going to be bringing out. Okay, so, uh, for some reason,